1: Okay, hi everyone. It's Michael Nesmith on the Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin.
0: Well, hello once again. Martin Popoff back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. We are all over the place, 40-odd podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, uh, Megaphone. Um, So yeah, here we are. Uh, Episode 59, um... I was going to call this the Accursed EP, um, but then I was wondering, does the Accursed have an EP, uh, and that, would that cause uh, confusion? So I'm going to call this Tormented by EPs. Um this is going to be all about the odd little piece of product called the EP. Um, we are doing this episode um, because it was brought up by a faithful listener, Barry Smith, um, on the Facebook page. We, uh, you know, he, he brought up, well, I'm, I'm going to read you what he says here. So he says, hey, Martin, how about an episode on the history of the EP? Thought of it while listening to my go-to migraine remedy EP, Jar of Flies. Uh, my ma- migraine uh, remedy is, uh, is an Advil with water very quickly when I'm starting to get uh, the eye thing going. Um, I remember Cheap Tricks EP having a big impact during their heyday. Uh, That was that found all parts thing. Uh, I didn't think it was particularly good. Uh, Another of your faves, Kim Mitchell. Um, Yes, well, you guessed it. We're going to talk about that one here because it is my favorite EP of all time. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Uh, Let's see. So we had uh, a few likes and uh, thumbs up. Benjamin Adler, Jason Leonard. Um, so So yeah, Jason Leonard brought up a great idea, lots of very cool EPs. He mentioned the Metallica 59080P, Souls at 0.66, Therapy Hats Off to the Insane, Metallica Beyond, magnetic and dio intermission i always hated that inter- intermission one it had time to burn on it but it had that horrible horrible uh, album cover on it um colston veer brought up the Queensrÿche ep which is one i am going to talk about uh made in japan it doesn't quite count it's live right uh saint saint valentine's day massacre ep a little bit of a complicated one because it's a mix of two bands um Let's see, what else has he got? Oh, yeah, he had a bunch here. Cost of Living EP, The Clash, Uh, Nirvana, Super Fuzz Big Muff. Uh, I am going to talk about that one as well. Haunting the Chapel EP. Uh, Yeah, that was pretty cool. Emperor's Return. Um, Armed and Dangerous EP. That one's a little too odds and sodsy for me. Surf Nicaragua, Sacred Reich, Four Sides Effects EP. Uh, Let's see. Um, Tegan. Jane Kaya Evans uh, just recently listened to the Highway Child for the Wild and Lonely EP, which is really excellent, really hard to find full versions of those songs, even online to stream. I think a lot about how these amazing old rarities are going to vanish unless there's a concerted effort to archive them. Very important point. That's the problem with these EP tracks. It's neither an LP or uh, or a single. Um, You know, these songs kind of uh, get lost in the shuffle. Uh, But yeah, I I, uh, brought out my own copy of uh, For Wild and the lonely wow this thing was so cool power in the force pale blue eyes the Omerda, lucky no more custer's last stand brand new star horses and shields wow yeah this highway child ep is one of my favorite eps of all time i should have included in this episode uh there's one uh let's see yeah, and, you know, of course, the debut LP is amazing, too, story, Storybook Heroes. But, yeah, so EPs are kind of funny. They can can catch a band in transition. Um, but, uh, yeah, they are maddening, maddening things, and that's why I'm calling this Episode 59, Tormented by EPs. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, yeah, so Barry Smith said, "Tegan, good catch. Still have my original cassette. Uh, Soundhouse Tapes, Robert, Roberto Vega brought up. Yeah. Um, you know that's actually a pretty good choice maiden um but yeah it's one of those things where um uh, i i really i really don't like eps when uh, those songs will eventually show up on an lp and it kind of makes the uh, ep a little worthless although that doesn't make sense when talking about the Soundhouse tapes because we know it's worth a lot of money also the halloween ep yeah that was pretty cool um that was one i considered putting in here uh uh, Bjorn Bernstein mentions, uh, the Armored Saint EP, Merciful Fate EP. That's a super, super important one, obviously. That thing, uh, basically, you know, kicked, kicked things off for Merciful Fate, and it, it helped get them their deal. It was just, it was really cool, um. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, that's, that's just uh, generally called merciful fate, but it's also called the nuns have no fun EP. Uh, it's got that brutal, brutal, uh, you know, black and white artwork on it. Um, he mentions the ratty piece. We're going to talk about that boy. We're giving them all away here. Uh, the slow EP, that was a pretty cool choice. Uh, Bjorn mentioned here. So this slow, I don't know if you know this, but this is that band. They're like a, um, they're like a pre-grunge band. It's basically slow and Sons of Freedom. So they're from Vancouver, and they made this awesome, awesome EP. What is it called? Against the Grain, I think. Something like that. Uh, but anyways, I, I remember seeing their performance. They they played at um, they played at uh, Expo '86. Uh, and, um, you know, an outdoor venue, nice airy thing, you know, families going by and stuff. And it was this really incendiary punk rock grunge performance. And I think the lead singer might've exposed himself or, or moon the crowd or something like that. But, uh, yeah, they were basically, um, you know, given a lot of heck for that and they got a lot of, uh, a lot of notoriety for that, but yeah, that's a very important uh, EP, and uh, and um, that that this little talk about grunge is going to come up a little later. Um, you know, I'm going to talk about the mud honey. Um, let's see, Thomas Hackney, uh, he mentioned Maiden Japan. Um, let's see, Chris Cook mentions the Rat EP again. That we're going to talk about Queensrÿche Armored Saint Warlord's debut EP. Yeah, that's an important one. Forgot about that. That was so incredible when that came out. Brian Slagle and Metal Blade. Did a lot of EPs. Um, But yeah, the Deliver Us was even better than when the album came out. I think the EP is the best thing they ever did. Yeah, but bitch is a damnation alley. There's another Brian Slagle one. Okay, so there you go. Um, here is an example of uh, you know talk on the website uh, causing an episode more or less. So um, so yeah, let's play the first one and let's uh, and then let's just discuss a little bit more about the nature of the EP. Take a listen to this. This is Kim Mitchell with Chain of Events.
1: Hot. Silver.
0: Right, so I had to put this in here. 1982. This is my favorite EP of all time. I swear to God, if uh, if this had um, if this had four more songs on it, it would be always always mentioned in my top 10 albums of all time. Um, I'm looking at it now. The album cover, the EP cover, looks like an expensive album cover. He's dressed real spiffy. Very nice art shot on the back. The five songs are in big, huge type, big, bold type, uh, kids in action, misdemeanor, big best summer, which I believe is the song that, um, David Lee Roth almost covered off of this, uh, Tennessee water and chain of events, um, So basically, this EP, these five tracks, again, it's maddening, maddening, maddening that it's not a full-length album because it would be a considered, you know, it'd be a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece already. I actually like, uh, you know, the sum total of these five tracks better than any Max Webster album, who are one of my favorite bands of all time, and my favorite Canadian band of all time. And uh, I like it much more than, uh, you know, the the first Kim Mitchell album I worship, Akimbo A Logo. I love it. I I really like this second one too itch later on i like Uh, ain't life amazing i like um you know uh, some not so much but basically um this thing just kills anything kim did and and i think it's better than anything max ever did um it's got the great, great drumming of Paul DeLong. Uh, Pi wrote all the lyrics. Uh, you know, Buddy Mine, Pie Dubois wrote all the lyrics of, uh, you know, many, many Max Webster songs, uh, most of them, and many, many Kim Mitchell songs. But every song on this is an absolute gorgeous, should have been, could have been, uh, you know, a top 10 smash single. Two of them, or actually really only one of them is a little bit of a ballad, but it's an amazing, smart, thoughtful ballad, just like um, All We Are off of the debut, and that's Mister. kids in action great heavy one big best summer great heavy one tennessee water pretty heavy and the one i just played you is the heaviest song but killer production uh kim mitchell and jack richardson much better production than the kim mitchell nick blagona job on uh, the debut album so yeah it just it just slays me how good this is and this is before the peter for days so this is robert sinclair wilson on bass guitar and backup uh background vocals um Actually, Peter's in there on background vocals. Pretty interesting. Um, But uh, yeah, check this out. Uh, Just literally from the first note to the end, absolute virtuosity, gorgeous production, hooky, hooky songs that are all great stadium rockers. um, And there you go. So yeah, we're kicking things off with a bang. Uh, Basically the greatest EP of all time, as as, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so our next choice. Take a listen to this and we'll discuss. This is Rat with Sweet Cheater. Sweet Cheater, good? Okay, so here's another function of an EP. Um, well, it's it's a similar function to the Kim, but, but when, you know, the stakes are higher here. I mean, basically, we're at the birth of hair metal here, right? Um, and uh, it's 1983, and there is this buzz band called Rat... And uh, and they put out this EP, and I remember getting this as a new release. It's on like uh, Time Coast Communications. Um, uh, there there was a uh, uh, version that came out in the UK on uh, on Music for Nations, and I got I that's got um, you're in trouble on it. But uh, but basically, um, you know this or this original. Um, indie vinyl uh, version of this because it got released after Out of the Cellar um, blew up. Six tracks on it. I mean, it's a long EP, and again, maddening, maddening that they didn't, uh, you know, complete this darn thing and uh, and make it a full-length album. Um, so I, I played you a song that's not on um, Out, Out of the Cellar. Uh, Sweet Cheater is, is a fast, heavy, almost punky one. Uh, basically, um, you know, Steven Stephen Piercy has, has got to be... Um, you know, lauded more so for his songwriting. He's so prolific, and all all of that great solo stuff he does. But what a great band! Um, you think you're tough is not on out of the cellar. You got it. Um, you're in trouble. Um, is you know that's going to be a different version. Uh, uh, not. Um, Tell the world uh, an amazing, amazing song on side two. Not on out of the cellar and back for more uh, in an early version here that will be re-recorded for uh, out of the cellar. But so, so this is the kind of thing where um, you know you, you wonder all the motivations about making an EP. I mean, often it's it has to do with we ran out of money, we don't have enough songs, this is all we can afford. Um, you know, or or a label decides that we're going to do some sort of a taster. You know, the other thing an EP does which is similar to what a single does is it, is it, Focuses the listener's mind on just a few songs, and you know, there's there's probably as much, or even you know, greater mathematically. You think a quantitative analysis. I mean, there's there's a possible chance with an EP, something like this, six tracks, where uh, a hit single can fall out of the thing. So it's it's to create buzz sometimes, but yeah, oftentimes it's like we just can't afford to do a whole e, uh, LP, or maybe we don't really feel our songs are strong enough. For a whole LP. Uh, okay, so um, so let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Okay, back again here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. We are dealing with uh, episode fifty-nine, Tormented by EPs. EPs drive me crazy when I'm writing all these books you have to always say oh their first studio album but there was the EP and then if it's a longish EP you start complaining that it was a long EP but not a full length album but it's really their debut blah 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 and you have to you have to waste a lot of awkward words explaining this qualification of this messy material that this band is putting out um, just to just to screw things up not a single not an LP Um, okay so let's uh, let's play our next selection this is a great Great White with On Your Knees. All right. So I wanted to include this one uh, mainly for the reason that um, it's a really funny EP. I I bought this as a new release as well, right around the time that I got the Rat EP. But the weird thing about this is it's got five tracks on side one. You flip it over. It's got the same five tracks on side two, Uh, you know, intentionally. It's not a mistake. So this is an EP with 10 songs on it. But but uh you know two of each um but basically um again same sort of thing i mean they're in they're an indie so they're on aegean records Uh, it looks like an lp it's got this band shot on the front cover and oddly and this is all you know this band's really confusing at the beginning but oddly um no no text on the front cover and then on the back it looks like an lp again because it's got it's got basically a, you know a decent looking band shot and then the songs and then the credits so it i mean it basically looks like an lp um but yeah so so um on your knees is uh is probably one of one of the best songs on it just a really good groovy thing you know this is a band that um that was known for being a hair metal band that combined a lot of kind of bluesiness to what they were doing and they also are one of these that really had this novelty thing going where they did a lot of covers and they had hits with covers and that's that practically fueled their career for for you know those first bunch of albums um but um Yeah, Out on the Night uh, went on to the debut album, On Your Knees went on to the debut album, re-recorded, Dead End went on to the debut album, and Two Songs on Here Did Not, Last Time and No Way. Um, But yeah, I remember getting this and thinking, yeah, this band is going places. This is a really, this is really high quality stuff. And it was one of those things, just like I know I've talked about this before, but those first Dawkins songs that you heard as compilations and then that first Dawkins album, um, you know, oddly in 1981 on a French career label, blah blah blah. But you get Dawkin, you get Great White, and you get Rat, and suddenly your new wave of British heavy metal records are looking, as Lemmy would say, ropey. You know, the production isn't there, the 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 performances aren't. Particularly locked down. It doesn't sound like something you can envision uh, being in a in a hockey arena or a stadium. While Rat and Great White and Dawkin, you you could tell they, there was just a, this level of professionalism to the early hair metal that was actually an improvement over the new wave of British heavy metal. No matter how you slice it, no matter how you know a hair metal gets a bad name eventually. Uh, but the point is is that uh is that you know getting this EP there there was quite a bit of uh you know excitement around Great White at the time that yeah this this is obviously they t- they already totally know what they're doing this sounds great um I believe this is Don Dokken produced as well so yeah Don, Don is in there on on a lot of these things um and and you know Don Don was a great producer as well as a singer right um okay so let's uh, let's move on to our next one um Take a listen to this. This is Queen's Reich with Queen of the Reich. All right, so here you go uh queens reich was uh you know this there was a lot of excitement around this ep when it came out again as an indie september 83 uh, this is literally the start of power metal i know we we talk about um you know we talk about halloween as being the start on power metal like the up ratchet on iron maiden right um but uh Man, when this came out, you know, out of Seattle, which is really bizarre. Uh, you, Queen of the Reich, Knight Rider, Blinded, and the Lady Wore Black. You got these impossibly high vocals um, from Jeff Tate. Um, you know, great guitars. Michael Wilton, Chris DeGarmo, right? Uh, you know, you got this cover that looked kind of, kind of cheap and logo-y like a new wave of British heavy metal release. I mean, it really did look like a like a piece of new wave of British heavy metal product. But it's it's from Seattle. It's pretty bizarre. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people have a lot of fondness for this ep for the reason that it's probably you know pound for pound their greatest material ever um you know they would probably you know throw their hands up in the air and discuss that you that one would say that i mean obviously operation mind crime's amazing and uh, and rage for order was really cool and experimental and the warnings a cool album and blah 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 and on and on and i love that i love the new version of the band um well actually I love both new versions of the band believe it or not um, but uh, but yeah pound for pound this was pretty amazing and the recording was really cool and it was tight and it was fast and just fast and scientific right um, so yeah this was a really really cool EP and it, and it got reissued later as well um, you know as they got their deal with uh, EMI but uh, yeah 17 minutes and 27 seconds um, a really good uh, useful EP that totally totally uh, put a buzz on um, there you Go. So, number five, we are going to stay in Seattle because I want to talk a little bit about the Seattle uh, scene. But um, take a listen to this. This is Mud Honey with In and Out of Grace. Okay, so, the grunge scene. I mean, I loved this EP a lot. Super Fuzz, Big Muff. Um, basically, it's my favorite thing Mudhoney ever did. It's uh, six songs. Is it six? Yeah, I've got my copy here. One, two, three, four. Uh, hang on. Uh, yeah, six six tracks. Uh, you know, not not a weak track in the whole thing. Uh, this came out in nineteen eighty eight. I saw the band live in Vancouver because I was living in Vancouver at the time, working at Xerox, right. Um, and one of the most mind-blowing live performances ever. I mean it was just super tight and almost progressive yet it was stoogy and punky and just going off the rails at the same time. So I'm in a small club of course. Uh, well that's kind of kind of what their uh, what their environs has always been. I suppose they never got to be one of the big bands but um, but no what an incredible incredible EP. Um, and you know this EP thing um, it it uh, in the grunge world, it almost felt like um, part of that uh, that fast and loose ethic, that indie ethic. So the EP made almost a little bit more sense in the grunge thing. I mean, uh, probably my favorite thing, or I mean, uh, everything they did was great. But Soundgarden, you know, uh, one the most magical thing to me there... Uh, is that original Screaming Life EP, their uh, their debut. I got that at Zulu Records, the cool hip record store in Vancouver when it first came out. And again, it just felt like just this volatile little piece of plastic that it almost felt like they were just going to start and end when they felt like it. And that's why it's an EP. I mean it's weird it's a weird idea. But then there was FOP of course as well as another EP of theirs. But this is this is like a like a seminal. I mean it's their first release. It's all these songs that I, I, I didn't check, but I don't I don't think they came out later on anything. I mean I think they just basically went with that EP as songs. Um and then the other one that's super important is uh is Green River. I mean Green River are basically you know, way up there as as you know, uh one of my top of these favorite grunge bands. I like all the Big Four and Green River and Mud Honey. Um, but Green River, so so oddly, very oddly, they had um, they had an EP called "Come On Down" way back in '85 uh, on Homestead Records, and it's not that good. But it's again you're seeing the roots of grunge coming in 1985. But in '87 on Sub Pop, they do the "Dry as a Bone" EP. And this, this precedes their album, Rehab Doll, and both of them are absolute grunge classics. Uh, dry as a Bone, just start to finish, really, really cool, Rehab Doll, super, super cool. Um, so there you go. I mean, basically, really, you know, a huge importance of, of uh, an EP in the grunge end of things. And then you have kind of this weird situation with Alice in Chains, where— You know, these I didn't appreciate very much, but they did the Sap and the Jar of Flies EPs, and those sold tons and tons of copies. I believe they might even be both platinum. but um, you know that was kind of an annoying thing because here you are loving this band, Alice in Chains, with these classic, classic two albums, Facelift and Dirt, and then and then they kind of have almost bigger hits, or they or they go you know quote unquote mainstream with these with these dirgy mellow songs, these acoustic songs. You know, usually when a band early on goes and does a bunch of acoustic stuff, you almost think they're too big for their britches and they think they're fancy boys or whatever, right? Um, but um, you know, I, I mean, still there, there's there's a cool creative thing about it. But but it almost feels like it, it feels a little bit like when a band does a live album way way too soon. Um, it just feels like they think they're cool. Um, so you know, di- I never was a big fan of of Sapper Jar of Flies. You know, and and even even again, it almost has that uh, that extreme more than words syndrome where you know, uh, oh here they are. You know, to get a hit, they had to play acoustic guitars, blah blah blah, right? Uh, you know, the the ballads or the things. So, so there's some resentment there when you're an angry young metalhead or an angry uh, old grungester uh, at that point, right? Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, that is our last selection. I wanted to mention a couple of honorable mentions. Oh yeah, no, before, that's what I was thinking. So so the thing about the annoyance of those EPs, there's another really annoying uh, EP that even annoys its maker, Thrall Demon Sweat Live, Danzig. You know, the whole idea of having a hit with Mother and having a hit coming off of an EP is very, very annoying. <laughs> it's annoying to me as a Danzig fan, and uh, I, I, I know it's annoying to Glenn as well, because I talked to him about it uh, and he just he just thinks you know he just thinks what a what a stupid crazy commercial weird world that mother is my biggest hit that's that was kind of his attitude I remember um, okay so we're gonna wrap up there but I wanted to just mention a few other uh, things about EPs um, I wanted to t- uh, mention quickly about the EP and the new wave of British heavy metal it wasn't that big a thing in the new wave of British heavy metal there you had uh, indie LPs. You had LPs on some big big labels like EMI and MCA were pretty good with, uh, with that stuff. Um, and you had lots and lots of singles, right? You had indie singles. You had singles on those major labels. Um, but you had things like the Mithra, Death and Destiny EP. That was an important one. Witchfinder General dabbled a bit in in the eps but they were short and they weren't as good as the two lps um you know you had the metal for mothers one and two but you also had the mother's pride ep and that also wasn't very good and that's a little bit rare but yeah they so metal for mothers you know annoyingly again has two and a half albums out right um pretty maids ep was a big one um you know they aren't exactly um a new wave of british heavy metal band because they're a uh, danish Right. I believe. Um, but uh, but yeah, not a lot of EPs coming out of the new wave of British heavy metal over to the thrash end of things. Um, you know, I remember a fond memory was is definitely the uh, destruction sentence of death EP because that was their first release. Right. All great songs. Um, so, yeah, we played that to death. The Celtic Frost. Um, so, yeah, I mean, EPs is just this weird thing that kind of gets gets you know it 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 can come from anywhere it can come from a very you know a varied reasons Certainly, um, you know, not off the top of my head, but I can't think of a lot of them in the 70s. Uh, it was not a big thing in the 70s, uh, this format. Um, you know, and it was always oddly priced, right? I mean, it's it's just priced almost as much as an LP, but you don't get nearly as much. It's the size of an LP. A lot of things are annoying about EPs. I just, I, it, it just always bothered me that, that bands had this messy thing in their catalog. And like I say, it was really annoying. When the EP was made, kind of worthless by most of those songs coming out on an LP later, and that brings me to another point: what happened in the UK a lot um, because you had um, you know all this shenanigans going on with the charts, and when you have different versions of your song out um, on the seven-inch single, on the seven-inch picture disc single, on the twelve-inch single, on the ten-inch single, um, you know, on the on the album, um, basically they did a lot of um, twelve-inch singles where they would add one extra track. So a lot of bands would put out the the seven-inch with two songs on it, and then you'd get the 12-inch, which would have usually three songs on it. And so, you know, that's not really an EP. Um, because, again, I mean, it's really just a single, usually from the album. Um, you know, maybe a non-LP track and then something stupid like a remix or whatever. Um so yeah, you, you got a lot of this uh, pollution of the even the idea of EP, which is a polluted term, anyways, uh, coming with these uh, with these dumb twelve-inch uh, you know maxi singles uh, out of the UK. Um, all right, so let's wrap it up there. Uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, little trek around the world of EPs. And uh, go to our Facebook. Um, you can also go to MartinPopoff.com and see what books I've got available there. The three Iron Maidens. Very you know it's rare that this is happening, but the three. Iron Iron Maidens. I have all of them available, Um, but there are only about 20 of the Holy Smoke, and it probably won't get reprinted, so I'm going to be orphaning the first one and the third one when those go. Uh, But yeah, the trilogy is available. Uh, The two priests are available. The two UFOs are available. The two Black Sabbaths are available. Blue Oyster Cult, Illustrated History, um, yeah, the other bluish cult, whatever. I mean, you'll, you'll see over there, basically out of the 85 books, whatever's in print, um, you know, I sign and sell right of the office. Of course, PayPal buttons, blah, blah, blah. There you go. Um, that wraps it up for, uh, episode 59, Tormented by EPs. Uh, go play that Highway Child EP, man. Look it up on YouTube. Um, I think, uh, I think, um... I have to disagree. I I believe this, uh, I did find this on Spotify and I think I was playing this on Spotify before. So yeah, Highway Child for the Wild and Lonely. There's your homework assignment Till next time. Talk to you later. Find all of our shows, notes, social and links at
1: www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase. On iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the R N R A P. We are on Instagram at rnrarchaeology. N R Archaeology. Tweet us at R N R Archaeology.